0: in the Word of God. So open up uh, to Ephesians chapter 5. We will pick back up where we left off. If you're here for the very first time with Calvary Chapel here uh, in the North Country, uh, we do verse by verse, chapter by chapter, book by book teaching. So we're picking right back up where we left off last week uh, in the scripture in chapter 5. In chapters 1 through 3, if you remember, the book of Ephesians is broken up into two simple parts. Two separate, three, ver- three chapters and three chapters. First three chapters, <clears throat> Paul told us all that God has done for us in Christ Jesus. Everything. We were adopted in God's family. We were elected before the foundation of the world. Redeemed by the blood of the Lamb and sealed with the Holy Spirit for eternity, all the while we were dead in our sins. Just remember, while you're in your sins, before you even gave your life to Christ, Christ had already gone to the, to, to the cross for your sins. He loved you so much when He created you in the womb of your mother. He says, In your entire life, He's coming for you, He's looking at you, He wants to know you. Personal. And so in the first three chapters, he outlines of our position in Christ. When we gave our life to Christ, what did we, we receive so much from him? Why? Because of grace. You can't earn it. You don't deserve it. We're just wicked sinners that have been saved by the grace of God. Been redeemed. Purchased. God loves us so much, and in response to how much he loves us, and what he has done for us, and how good he's already been to us, we love him. The Apostle, the Apostle John. Apostle John said, because he first loved us, 1 John 4, we respond out of the love that God has revealed to himself to you. And once you hear the word of God, once you hear his word say, I love you, our response is just a natural response to respond back in love for him. He doesn't want anything from you. He doesn't want, to, you don't have to do anything. You can't work at having this relationship. So many times we're so accustomed into this, this worldly thinking. If someone gives you a, a piece of gum, you feel like, oh, i, I got to give them something else. i, I got to find a way to repay them. I, I'm not, I'm not going to be a debt to anybody. That's worldly thinking. That's worldly, that's fleshly thinking. God says, I've given to you freely. He just wants a relationship with you. He just wants to, he just wants a loving relationship with you. He just wants to draw, have you draw close to him. And in applying these doctrines that we saw in uh, chapters 1 through 3, now Paul speaks here in verses chapters 4 through 6 to how do we respond to God's love about how we are to walk or to live this christian life that god has given us and today we're going to see paul adds to this 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 term walk or Paratopatio, this word to walk is to live as a Christian. Because so many times people know what they're not supposed to do. But that's not what God focuses on. He really does focus on how he wants you to live for him. And he does give us, out of a loving father, gives us warnings. and says, you know, I love you, son. I love you so much. I am not going to hold back telling you what things are going to harm you. A loving father is not going to hold back telling his son what could harm him. Because if a father holds back and doesn't tell you what can harm you, is he a really loving father? A loving father doesn't just sit there and let their son just wander through life and wander through this world and say he'll figure it out as he goes. That is not a loving father. So our Heavenly Father doesn't sit there and say, you're a child of mine. I have adopted you. You're in the family. Now just figure it out on your own. Just figure it out. Go by day and just kind of like a ping pong or bouncing around. No, he says, through his word, he teaches us what the things we are to do and also the things we should not be doing as a child of God. And today this will be the, what we'll see very clearly. He will outline for us what we are not to be doing as a child of God Because it will destroy us. And he makes it very clear for us today. So Paul's discussion here on the conduct of believers. How are we to conduct our lives on a day-to-day basis? How God's children are to walk and live. We've already learned, if you remember, in the first part of uh, chapter 4, how to walk or live in unity as a church body. How we're to live in unity and love for one another. We saw we're to walk in purity. We're not to walk any other way but live a pure life, a way God says to live. It's pure. It's right. It's good. Not the way the world does it. Not the way Satan does it. They want you to get dirty and down in the dryers of the mud, of the miry clay. That's where we came out of. And once God has pulled you out of the miry clay, has taken and forgiven you of the sins, why would you and I want to go back into the the depths of darkness? And we'll see that today as Paul continues. Because not only walk in unity, not only walk in purity, but today we're going to see that Paul outlines very clearly here in chapter, first part of chapter 5, walk in love and walk in light. We are, to, as a child of God, to walk in love and walk in light. And he's going to make it very clear to us as we do this. So let's see the first part, walk in love. Ephesians 5.1, he says, Therefore be imitators of God. God, God the Father is who he's referring to here. And therefore, be imitators of God as dear children. So think about this. What is an imitator? An imitator is someone who mimics someone. He They study the life of that person, and you imitate or mimic what they do because you like and you see what they're doing. Do it in a practical way. You're at work You're learning a job, and you, if you're smart, if you're not foolish, if you're smart, you will find the expert in the field that you're in who's not normally the same position you're in, but someone who's been doing the work or the job a few times, a few years ahead of you, have gotten more experience, that you watch their life, you see how they do it, you mirror, you mimic, you imitate them because you know you see the the, the outcome or the results that you want even better look at a child look at your children if you have a child or if you're an uncle or an auntie and you watch this child as they grow and mature look how that son will mimic or imitate their father they want to they want to walk beside them wherever dad goes they want to walk with dad and go watch what dad's doing he watches they see and they mimic and they're going to watch it matter of fact for as a parent, one of the scariest things that can happen is when they start repeating what you say. I know it. I, I, I've seen it all it happen in our own life, right? And it's always fun because when that something comes out of that child's mouth, immediately this one of the spouses says, oh, he's your child. <laughs> That's from you. That's your words from your, your mouth. I don't say that. That's what you say. Because they're mimicking. They're they're imitating what they see. The question always is, is what they're seeing, is it good and is it right? Or is it terrifying and wicked? That's the question, is it? So Paul is saying here, therefore, be imitators of God as dear children. You're the child of God. You're in the family of God. How are you to look at your heavenly father and mimic him Or to to imitate him. Well, that chapter 5 verse 1 here really links with the last verse of chapter 4. Take your eyes and put on chapter 4 verse 32. We're to imitate or mimic what? Be kind to one another. Tender hearted. Forgiving one another. Even as God in Christ forgave you. What are we to imitate? We, as the children of God, are to be kind to one another. There shouldn't be any question as as a child of God. how How are you supposed to behave? What's your conduct like? How are you supposed to live as a Christian? You are to be kind to one another. It doesn't say be kind to only those who are kind to you. You don't, you're not gentle and, 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 and tender-hearted toward people because they're gentle and t- uh, tender-hearted. <clears throat> you don't just forgive those who are willing to forgive you first. You are to forgive as Christ has forgiven you. Right? So he sits there and he says, as children, you are to look at this and says the first reason or, the you know, he, and Paul gives several reasons why The Christian ought to walk in love and and, in light, And one of them is that you're a child of God. And as a child of God and you're mimicking and you're imitating your heavenly father, there's going to be a fruit or results that come out of your life. You're going to be kind because your heavenly father's kind. You're going to be tenderhearted because your heavenly father's tenderhearted. You're going to be a forgiving person because God has forgiven you much. And that's what we're supposed to imitate. I mean, we see it in the scriptures, right? Matthew 5, 48, be perfect as your father is perfect. Luke 6, 36, be merciful as your father is merciful. We're not to be content and compare ourselves with another person. You're not sitting there and say, hey, I don't want to compare myself with a heavenly father. That's just kind of out there, and I don't know if I can be there. So I'll just imitate my brother over here who's in really bad. And then I just sit there and say, well, I'm not doing the drugs, you know, so I'm actually pretty good. I'm not, I'm not a drunkard. I, I, I maybe get drunk once in a while, but I'm not drunk every night like my friend. I'm actually kind overall. I don't beat anybody up. See, when you compare yourself to with man, it's easy to make you feel better and make you feel lifted up above other people because you would always find someone who's just farther down the spiral turn than you are. It's only a matter of time you're going to get down there where, the, where they're at. Don't get me wrong. But you'll always find someone, well, I've never been put in jail. Well, if you're on the same path they were on, they're just a few steps ahead of you. It's so only a matter of time you'll be in jail too. Just hang on. So he's sitting there and says, we need to be like our Father. We're to imitate. Even 1 Peter 1, 15 and 16. As he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. Because it is written, be holy for I am holy. That is the standard that your heavenly Father sets for you and I as a child of God. And he says, and he'll do the work in you if you'll let him. He'll do the work. Because you and I can't do it. But he says he can do it. Because when you become a child of God, he starts a work in your life. And he is faithful to complete that work. Allow him. And when we act according to our nature as the children of God, we will imitate him. And as we do imitate God, we become representatives of God, especially before those who have shut God out of their life. See, that's the thing that God does, is when He become a child of God, he wants you to become a mirror of him, an imitator, a mimic of him, so that when you're out and about, it causes people who have trying to shut God out. Do you realize that? Before you became a, God, a child of God... You, you and I shut God away, and we didn't want any reminder of God. We just sat inside stewing. I don't want nothing. I don't want to hear this. I don't want to see it. I don't want any reminders. I'm, that is someone God is convicting and trying to get their attention to say that he loves them and doesn't want them to go to hell. And he's bringing you and I or someone who is a child of God around them to, to get their attention to help them they, they're spiraling out of control in darkness and they don't even know it. They just know they're miserable inside. And the more they think about themselves, the more miserable they become. And God says, I'm going to send someone in their life, yeah, to ruffle up their feathers, get them all stirred up a little bit, to bring, open their eyes and their ears to hear the truth that God loves them and died for them on the cross to forgive their, all their sins set them free from the, the anxiety and the pain and the suffering and the unforgiveness and the bitterness and the anger and all the litany of things that can happen in someone's life and you know what's interesting because all of us can have the same testimony before you came to God no one really knew who you were maybe they got a glimpses of it if you're married your spouse certainly knows more about you than anybody else But God knows you down to the number of hair on your head, the Bible says. He knows what you're struggling inside that no one else in this world knows except for him. And I'm telling you, he's going to reveal to you through his word that he knows you. And he says, just respond and come to him and find rest for your soul. For eternal life why God equips us and sends us out into the world to help those who cannot help themselves because only God can help them and you know it and I know it because they, he did it in our lives we see there to be imitators how do we do that in verse 2 of chapter 5 it says and walk in love not only be imitators but we're also to walk in love as Christ also has loved us given himself for us in an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling aroma. This and is a connector. It's a translation that is, that is. Where that is, we are to, in order to convey the idea of what God is saying to us, we are to, to imitate God by walking in love. And that love, that word there in the Greek is agape love, unconditional love. To have an uh, uh, unconditional love, agape love that God shows us, we are to show to other people. The supreme example of this, of course, is Christ. The son is speaking to here. The son loved us so much that he gave his only begotten son. But he gave his life up, remember, on the cross. No one took his life on the cross. When he was on the cross, he says, I give up my spirit. So no one killed him. He gave it up for us. And he freely did that. It's the most graphic display of one person who is sacrificing an offering of his life on the behalf of you, on the behalf of me. Oh, I struggled that for many months when I first got saved. That first year was just hard because when you've lived a life and you're in your 20s and you've lived your life, you've had the taste of the world and you have taste of the, the flesh is controlling you and Satan has been messing with you, it's hard because you know how wicked you have been and continue to be. And then you get saved and all of a sudden this, all these changes are taking place and you sit there and I always just ask, why would God of the universe love me so much he would die for me as a wicked man? That wanted nothing to do with him. As a matter of fact, avoided it, it. Anything to do with it. Why would he love me? Why would he go to the cross for me? Why would he even forgive me? And then I kept reading and reading and realized I cannot compare my heavenly father with my earthly father or any other earthly man. God loves me and wanted a relationship with me. And I started to learn that and understand that. I never understood, I've never experienced that depth of love before. And all of a sudden, my eyes are opening up and I'm like, wow, someone loves me without strings attached, without any expect, you know, unrealistic expectations. Just simply coming, and he would do the work. That was amazing to me. Amazing grace, how sweet the smell. Right, as in as you say right there, it's a sweet smelling aroma. That as we, we give our lives to back to Christ, he's willing to give himself up for us. The offering was a fragrance, pleasing, and acceptable to his heavenly father when he did that. And as Christians, we are to imitate that God by loving others, even to the point of death, if necessary, 1 John three sixteen. We are not loving like Christ until it costs us. You can say, oh, I love that person, but if it doesn't cost you, Is it really love? Are you willing to put yourself second for that person? Are you willing to go out and spend the time, the money, the energy to to show love to that person? Or is it just words? We were purchased at a tremendous price. Greater love has no one than this, than to lay down one's life for his friends, John 15, 13. But not only did he lay down his life for his friends, but he also laid down his life for his enemies as well. He died for the whole world. To give them an opportunity to come and have life with him. Our love in him, for him is our response to his love for us. See, Paul compares Christ's sacrifice of the cross, even in the Old Testament here, that sweet-smelling sacrifices. If you go back and you read Leviticus chapters 1 through 5, it's incredi- incredible because it talks about the different sweet-smelling or the smelling aroma that comes from the worship of God to God. And we see the burnt offerings there. We see the meal offerings there. We also see the peace offerings there. When they came and they made their, came with their sacrifices, came to the offerings. Because when they gave their offerings at the altar, that's, when they burnt those offerings, the sweet-smelling aroma would be a show of sacrifice, a showing of, of their love for their God. idea that Paul talks about behind the sweet smelling Rome is simply that the sacrifice is a sweet and well pleasing to God. So when you choose to follow Jesus's example by sacrificing your rights for the for the for the sake of others by walking in love and loving others, especially the ones that are not lovable. <laughs> You know, the coworker, <laughs> But you're still going to show love anyway. It's a sweet scent to our Heavenly Father as a child of God. So Paul begins here in this first part of chapter 5 is that the walk in love. Why? Because it's the most fundamental factor in a Christian life. Is to walk in love. If we walk in love. We will not disobey God. And if we walk in love. We will not injure another man. Because if you really love that person. If you are as a Christian. <clears throat> you will not look to injure another person. It's not in your character now. As a child of God. That's not how you think. That's not how you act. Regardless of how that person has treated you, you still do what pleases your God, and that is to still show love in some form or fashion. And that might mean to run away, (laughs) just keep your mouth shut and walk away because I'm going to show love by not saying what I'm thinking. God help me. And then you turn and say, God, how can I show love to this man? Because obviously that man needs to know your love. And you've given me to imitate, to mimic your love through my life to that person. How can I do that, Lord? Because i want to be pleasing to you. And it's only <coughs> in you understanding that he who loves another <coughs> has fulfilled the law, Romans 13.8. The Holy Spirit puts this love in our hearts, Romans 5.5. That's why when you know you're a child of God and the Holy Spirit is inside you and you're sealed for eternity and he's empowering you, you will have a love for people you never used to have a love for. Relationships change at every level. Work, home, past, present. It changes because God has changed you. But what's our responsibility? Paul continues here in verses 3 and 4. He gives us our responsibilities as a child of God. If you're going to walk in love, you must abstain. You must stay away from evil practices. Because if you practice these things, there's consequences. If you dabble in these things, there's consequences. You're not walking in love. And he outlines them pretty straightforward. It's a pretty stark conversation here. He says, but fornication and all uncleanliness or covetousness, let it not even be named among you as is fitting for saints. Saints, believers, child of, uh, child of God, you and I are not to even entertain or it's not fitting. It should be a part of who you are. No one in your life, after you've given your life to Christ, people around you and know you should not look at your life and see fornication or any uncleanliness or covetousness in your life. What is fornication? In the general meaning is to it's the every kind of sexual intercourse that is any intercourse except between a husband and a wife. If you're having any inter- intercourse outside of the marriage between one man and one woman, that is fornication and that is against God. That doesn't please God. You're going to you're going to reap the 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 repercussions and the consequences when you're outside of God and you're not pleasing Him. Fornication is is forbidden. Premarital sex is forbidden. Because it's going to harm you. It's going to hurt you. It's going to hurt the person you're with. There's consequences as we see in the scriptures. When you do that you have to be very, very careful and put boundaries, because if not, you're going to find yourself in deep trouble. Not only fornication you're supposed to stay with, but also uncleanliness, which means sexual uncleanness here as well. Anything outside of intercourse, all the other sexual or dirty or perverted ways. So many times people say, Pastor, we haven't had intercourse. We haven't. I haven't become one with a woman. I said, but are you doing anything else in that's it's sexual and type? Well, we do a little of this, a little of this, but that's the all uncleanliness. Everything else you're thinking and have done falls under the category of all uncleanliness. You're not to do that. It's unclean. It's not good. It's not right. It goes against, uh, goes against God, and as he says that's going to harm you, and it's going to harm others. So if you truly want to walk in love with God, you're not going to do these things. It's to harm another person. But he said he wanted to. I don't care. It's still going to hurt you and him. But she was willing. I don't care. It's going to harm you and her. You may not see it now, but you will see the ramifications from it. But not only fornication and all uncleanliness, but covetousness. It may seem out of place here next to fornication, but the two sins are but different expressions of the same basic weakness of a fallen nature. If you're doing fornication, you have a weak nature. You have a fleshly nature. If you're participating in all these other uh, sexual uncleanliness, you have a weak nature. You're, you're, You're living by the flesh. If you're coveting, you're greedy about these things, you have to have sex. You have to have this. It's gripping you. It's controlling you. God says you are not to be in that position. Your nature's not strong. You're not, you need to question and understand, are you saved? Are you a child of God? Because if you are, you are not to do those things. Because it will hurt you and it will hurt anyone around you. It will destroy people's lives. The fornicator, that covetous person who each desire to satisfy the appetite by taking what does not belong to them, till you're married, that that is not she or he is not for you, and we are not to covet another man's wife. We're not to covet another woman's husband. Because that falls right in, we see in 1 John 2.16, the definition of worldliness. The lust of the eyes and the lust of the flesh. It's worldliness. It's just going to destroy you. You already have reaped those consequences before you got saved. And you live that lifestyle, you know the consequences coming from that. Sexual immorality, the, the, the word pornea or pornography is part of this. Any kind of impurity, any covet or greed or improper behavior of believers, as Paul refers to as saints here. We have been set apart by God. When you became a child, God set you apart for his use. Not for your use, not for anyone else's use, but for God's use. We no longer belong to the world and the darkness of this world. We see in 1 Peter 2, now we've been called out of darkness into his marvelous light. That's not who we, we don't live in secret darkness anymore. We don't live in these secret things that are happening in your life. It's brought out, you have nothing to be ashamed of now. We're saying it, we worship God. We don't want to be ashamed, we're not ashamed any longer. Because we live in the light, we don't live in darkness. We don't live in these secret things that are going on in our life. That we think no one else knows, but God knows. God sees all things, he knows all things, he's everywhere, he knows what's going on, and he says, I want to free you from that. And as the most all-powerful God can do that in your life. It's beneath the dignity of as believers, as saints, to indulge in the sins that belong to the world of darkness. And Paul here warns us against the sexual sins. And what's sad, though, is that today these sins are invading the homes of Christians. It's invading and brought grief in even local churches because people have not walking with God and keeping themselves away from those sins. They're not not asking God to help them through that. And it's also sad. We see in Proverbs 6.32, if you remember, he who's involved in fornication or adultery destroys his soul, his inner person. This is what people don't understand. It's that God says when you become one with another and they're outside of the confines, outside the design of God, you're literally Stripping a layer at a layer at a time. Every time you every time you, do it, it's another woman, another woman. All of a sudden, you're literally, your soul is being stripped away. And the outcome is an empty shell of a person. It's sad to say, over the years of the ministry, I have met men and women who have. We're so far stripped. I'm staring in the eyes of an empty person that has no hope, no direction, and they're just a shell. And it's sad. It's very sad. Because here's the problem. Everyone says, oh, we can't do those things because of HIV and because of the STDs and all the blah, blah, blah. Has has that really stopped anybody? No. That doesn't really stop you. But when you understand that God says, do you know you become an empty shell of a man, an empty shell of a woman, by doing this? It's going to affect your soul? It's far deeper, far more consequence than getting an STD. It changes who you are. To it's grieving to me when I watch a young young teenager growing up, hitting puberty, and you see some changes taking place, and you you, you're teaching the word of God and you're trying to warn them, but then you see them further down the road where they're wrapped up into the things in the flesh, and you see them just becoming more and more distant in a shell of a young man because of the ravages of their sexual, selfish pleasure. It's it's grieving. It grieves God. But God can change that. When we repent of that sin and turn away from that sin and come to God, he can restore your soul and give you life back so you're no longer empty but filled with him but you have to make the decision he's never going to force you you have to make the decision to come to him and just lay it all at his feet and he will forgive you and restore you some people will say to me pastor you don't understand you're an old man. You're married. You know. You don't understand what I've gone through. <laughs> uh, so foolish when you make those statements. <laughs> uh, I I was a teenager once <laughs> in twenties. But Paul, they'll say, "Oh, that was back then. This is our world is different today." No, 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 no. If you know Ephesus, if you know the city of Ephesus, they openly celebrated the worship of that type of sin. They had a goddess in temples where they would go and devote and worship these goddess in these temples. And when they came out, they fulfilled their worship time where all the prostitutes were waiting for them. And this was celebrated and open in in Ephesus. And you think that today is worse than back then? you, You don't know the history. You don't know what was going on back. So Paul under completely understood. And when he was writing this letter to them, then people understood what he was talking. You are up there worshiping the goddess of fertility, and you're sitting there openly laying around with prostitutes. They would come down, and they could pick a young boy or a young girl, whatever they decided. It was nothing new under the sun today, my people. It was happening then, and it's happening today. People worshiping. That's why he refers to in our scriptures here. People who are caught up in this in verse four, he says, neither filthiness nor foolish talking nor coarse jesting, which are not fitting, but rather giving thanks. So not only sexual pleasure, but he says, even filthy language is not of a a child God. He says he makes it very clear, neither filthiness. The the the, ups, the 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 obscenity that filthy mouth that comes out with these you're not to swear anymore you're not to to be cussing in this shameless talk and conduct should not be coming out of a mouth of a child of god i had a bad mouth Woo! And i was i was in the military i you know i can blame it on the culture all i want but then came a child of god and all of a sudden it, just, it faded away and someone said oh you're not cussing anymore I, i'm not It just faded away. God just took it away from me. I didn't have to try. I just focused and meditated on the word of God and the things of God. And it came out of my life. He just took it away from me. And I can't justify, oh, I'm in the military. I'm around it all day long. Are you kidding me? It's everywhere in the world today. But God says we're not to have that acidity, those things coming out of our mouth. We're not to have foolish talking, these 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 foolish and silly and uh, unholy kinds of foolish talk that comes out when you're around a bunch of guys. should not happen. Nor coarse jesting, the dirty jokes, the slangs. Oh, I didn't say a a cuss word, I just used a slang. It's the same thing, it's still a heart issue. That is not to come out of the mouth of a Christian. Because that's not who you are. That doesn't represent a walk in love for Christ. It doesn't represent who you are. An old man, it's like it says here, it's not fitting. It's like, it's like when you were before you came to Christ, we call it the old man, remember? We just read that a few, just a couple of chapters ago. you were you, you, the old man, and you had the old clothes, and this is who you are, and everyone saw you, and it's like who you've always been. But then you give your life to Christ, where to put off the old man and put the new one on take off the old clothes and God gives you new clothes. So he says here if you continue out of the filth coming out of your mouth if you're still foolish talking like you're doing just foolish talking it doesn't even make sense. And it's coarse this 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 dirty jokes these are these are people when you're in a group and you're talking about football somehow some way these people who are who are who live and practice this kind of stuff, will bring the conversation around to some dirty joke. It'll always bring around to some foolish talk, and they'll bring it around, some filthy thing will come out of their mouth to describe a basic football game. As a Christian, that should never happen. And it happens all the time, because... That is the heart and the nature of a non-believer, not the nature of a believer. So Paul says, that's got to go. It cannot be anymore. Paul warned against sins of the tongue. Because these, what comes off your tongue, what comes out of your mouth, is really from the sins are from the heart. Matthew 15, 18, but those who which proceed out, should proceeds out of the mouth come from the heart and they defile a man. So you always can tell a believer and non-believer in, in, the, in the conversations they have. You just have to listen. And you can see where their nature is. You can see where, how defiled they are and what's coming out of their heart because it will come out of their mouth and reveal And people who have improper appetites, improper sexual appetites, usually cultivate a base kind of speech and humor. And often people who want to commit sexual sins or have committed them and enjoy jesting about them. They go hand in hand. What's in your heart, what you've done, will come out through your mouth he will show it and relink it. But Paul says, that is not you anymore. That's not what you're supposed to do. What you need to do at the end, he says, but rather giving thanks. Be appreciative for others, appreciative of, of what God is doing and be helpful to others. Paul was not suggesting that humor itself is sin. Humor is not sin. It's what, comes, what type of humor you're using is what makes us sin or not. It's not wrong to to have humor and have fun, but if it destroys or tears down or is inappropriate in sexual nature, it is wrong. You need to stop. But how much better it is for us to give, be quick to give thanks in all things, To meditate on the things that God has done in your life, what he is doing in your life, what he's doing in other people's lives. The praise reports that go on that God has freed someone from that drug, freed someone from that sexual sin, changed the life. We should be giving thanks for what God is doing in that person's life. Christians who have God's word in their hearts, Colossians 3.16, will always season their speech with salt, Colossians 4.6. There will be grace that will come off their tongue. The grace in the heart means grace on the lips. You will show grace to one another. Kind of remember, instead of talking like the world, just start praising the Lord. That is what we want to come out of our mouths. Now, what happens if I don't do it? What if I just continue to do what I'm doing because it's just the way that it is? And what my what are my coworkers going to think if I don't cuss along with them and tell the dirty jokes and all this? Stuff? How do I avoid that? You can't do it. Yes, you can. You can walk away. I, I work in the corporate world. I was in the military. I understand these things. And I have learned to stand firm and say, I will not partake and put something in. You know how many times people come up, a brother who may not know me, and it's like, Wait a minute, I just taught the Word of God here and I'm walking away and then you're going to tell me a dirty joke or something that's inappropriate? Who do you think I am? I'm someone up here and someone different when I'm off the, not teaching and it's not Sunday? Are you kidding me? I, someone says, oh, I've got a joke for you. I immediately stop them. Is this going to be in any way, form, or fashion that you're going to regret what you're just about to say to me? Because if you notice, I don't want to hear it. And I recommend you don't say it. I shut it down at work. People all know don't say anything, because you don't, may not know. But he's a pastor; he don't want anything. So my staff for all these years, they never made—they they were made sure. They even told people around the place, "Don't talk like this around Corey. He'll come. He'll he'll let you know." Because I don't want it in my head. You think the Heavenly Father wants you, His Son, to hear these things? You have to shut it down. You make a stance, you're, you're to walk in love, you're to say it in love. Don't talk like that around me. And I have said it to my bosses. I just call them out. That is unprofessional. I prefer you not say that around me. Yeah, I get response, but who, 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 do I really care? God is in control of my life. God says to speak truth, and I'm going I'm to be that light. As we will see, we're to be a light. So, so if you don't do anything, if you don't change anything, what's the consequence? Well, Paul, Paul gives it to it. God gives it to us. He says, for this you know. So it's not something they didn't know. These people are like, oh, I didn't know. I'm, I'm sorry. I didn't know these things. No, no. These people knew. These believers knew. Paul knew because he's been teaching them, right? He was their pastor. He says, for this you know, that no fornicator, unclean person, nor covetous man who is an idolater, Adulterer is someone who worships sexual sins. They w- desire, they want it, they don't, that's their life, that's who they are. Idolater, they worship it. Has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ in God? I don't, can't make it any clearer than what God has given us in his Word. Paul sternly warned believers that the reason they are to abstain from evil works, the evil deeds, especially immorality, especially impurity, especially any covetousness in your life is that those who practice those who practice them are not a part of God's kingdom if you sit here today my brothers and sisters and you desire and practice sexual immorality as we outlined in the church, the filthy mouth all the if that is who you are and you have no problem with it, check your salvation. It says clear as can be, you're not a child of God. And you are on the path to hell and I do not want that to happen. God doesn't want you to happen. Be repentive, Change your mind and the sight of the fact that that is not what God has for you and he wants to free you from it. You need to surrender. If you're a believer and you're finding yourself not practicing but dabbling at times, know that that is dangerous territory for you. Very dangerous. God is n- and there's no, there's no soft talking here. It's very clear as can be. Those who make these sins and sexual sins a lifestyle of sin in their life—it's a lifestyle. It's who they are have no inheritance in the kingdom. They they have not been washed. They have not been sanctified. They have not been justified. And if you want to go back today and then read more, go back to 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and read verses 9 through 11. But if you worship these things that are going against God, I warn you out of love, surrender your life to Christ because you're going to be destroying yourself. And you know what the bottom line is here? If you're struggling with those, the bottom line is, is that you as a person have not settled, you have not settled the lordship of Christ in your life. You call yourselves a Christian, you come to church occasionally, but you have not surrendered and allowed God to rule your life. That's the issue. That's the bottom line issue. You must give your entire life over to God and allow him to lord over your life. You're not in control. And the more you try to take control, the more you will spin out of control. And so that is important. If God's kingdom is alive in you, a transformation will occur in you, and you will no longer be practicing or habitual practicing of these things any longer. It will just go away from your life. It's not who a child of God is. But if you have found yourself as a child of God and you make a mistake and you fall into this, you'll be just like David. David committed adultery, yet God forgave him and one day took him to heavenly to heaven. Certainly God... Ended up disciplining David because of that sin. But he was still brought into heaven. Because David had a repenting heart. He fell into adultery. And then God revealed that that was adultery. And he just broke and gave it all. And allowed God to be Lord over his life. And yes, he went to heaven. So it's not hopeless if you just repent and come to God. He will forgive you. Now. We see in verse 6, let no one deceive you with empty words. For because of these things, the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Paul warns the people, do not be deceived by others trying to tell you with the empty words. Are you sure God's God really doesn't care? God is so busy. He's got other things. He's not going to care about what you do or don't do. Or you're like a Gnostic. Oh, the spirit and the flesh are two separate things, you know, and so you can live your flesh however you want to. It's really about the spirit is separate and and God's going to come in. Don't listen to the empty words of the junk that's out there because you'll find it. People who are in sin and want to justify their practice sin, you can go out there. You can find all kinds of rationalizations as supposed Christians and say you can still do these things and still be called a Christian. You'll find it. But Paul says Christians should not be deceived. You should not be listening to the lies that are out there and thinking that this this warning is merely empty words, that this is no big deal. For the disobedient, that is, the unregenerated, are the objects of God's wrath. God's view of sin should be taken seriously. Because God hates sin. He loves you, but he hates the sin. And believers should imitate God and not evildoers out there. We do. How, who do you worship and who do you choose to follow today? Do you choose to follow God in his way? Or do you choose to follow the world's way and get completely different roads? They do not. They don't mesh. And when we trust Christ, we enter into the kingdom of God. But we are also awaiting the full revelation of his kingdom when he returns. Second Timothy four one. That's walking in love. If you love God, you will not do those things. If you love God, you will not harm other people through those things. You will put them away. You don't want to hurt God. You do not want to hurt other people. You want to walk in love. And then when he's made that transition and made that change, you're a new person. You can walk in light. And we see Paul here in verse 7 through 14. We can walk in light when we walk with God. We can walk in the spirit. We can be a change. We don't have to be in darkness anymore. Things can be light, be open. People can examine your life and you have nothing to be ashamed for. The lights are on in your house. Anyone can come in and look at your house at any time of day. You have nothing to hide because you know without a question in your mind that you have nothing to hide. There's no darkness. So he starts there, therefore, do not be partakers with them. You see people who are in your life right now who is in who are habitually in love, the sexual sins. And they talk filthy and j- dirty jokes and all the junk that's out there. And they're trying to fit it and put it in your minds. Paul says here, do not be partakers with them. Christians are to stay and away and not to become partners with people who are like that because they will have a very negative consequence on your life. They'll be drawing you in because they're going to God's wrath. That is not who you are. You are not to experience God's wrath. You're to be set free from that. but we're not even habitually to be around them, but don't even partake of it with them a little bit because they can have an influence in you. I remember, even still today, I can be there, and again, I, I get, I, my people around me all the time at work, every, they, they just don't cuss around me. They just know who I am. They just don't do it. But then I get around someone who doesn't know me, and they're just the, who they are, and they just, all of a sudden, we're in a conversation, a business meeting or something like that, or a, a, a downtown, and something will come out of their mouth, some filthy language, right? But it's amazing how the mind works. I mean, for the next few moments, what, what's playing in your head? What you just heard. He's like, I don't even say these words. Why is that playing in my head? And you're sitting there going, God, get that out. God, get that. God is an awesome God. You're trying to get, because so, you're trying not to meditate or even think about the, the filthy words that just came out of the mouth of that person. Because it, it but it can affect you. But God says, don't even partake of it, stay away from that. Verse 8, for you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. See, key word, you were once darkness. Before you came to Christ, you were dark. You were in the dark. you were dark. You don't even know you were dark, but you were dark. I was dark. But now as a child of God, you are light. You are light in the Lord. The Lord comes in and seals you. He lives within your in, in you, and you become light. And, and you I can walk as children of light. You can walk that is good and right and bright. And anyone can see your life and, and look at you and say, Man, that's just that's a that's a really good person. I don't know who he is or what who she is, but she's just a good person. Because they don't even know. Who God is and who lives inside you. But the reason for believers should not be partakers of the unregenerated is that Christians are no longer part of the darkness. You were darkness once, but in which you used to live. You used to habitually be in darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. You've been rescued out of darkness. And now being in the Lord, you are you is you are the light, which is John 8:12. And so the behavior of saints, the behaviors of believers, children of God, you and I, should correspond with the position as a child of God. You should be in light, a child of light. It should be that nature. It should live in in, in according to that, and it should be very obvious in your life as you walk and talk. And how would we know that? Well, verse 9, for the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. The fruit that comes from your life is good. What people watch in your life, not only is it good, but it's also right. It's right. It's not not twisted. It's not upside down. It's truth. It's solid. It's, It's backed. You don't live a fake life. And it reflects God's character in your life as a believer's life. Sinners, they reflect this darkness in their life. It's characterized by fruit as well. You'll see evil things in their life, the evil the way they talk. They'll see wickedness in their life. They'll see things coming out of their mouth as wicked. They're no longer. They don't talk true. They don't tell the truth. They just falsehood comes out of them all the time. You can see the fruit of darkness. But you can also see the fruit of life, and that is the fruit of the Spirit, which is we Paul notes here, goodness, righteousness, and truth. In verse 10, it says, finding out what is acceptable to the Lord. You want to be pleasing to God? Find out, put to the test, approve, discern what is acceptable to the Lord. As you live your life and you are going to be put into situations, you must ask yourself, is this acceptable, Lord? And when the Spirit of God says no, it's no, you must not do it. Is this finding out? Go, and that means you're finding out. You're looking. You're asking. You're not sitting there and say, well, I'll just let it go until I think it might be wrong. And i Well, no one said anything. No, you and I as a child are to go to our heavenly father and say, God, is this right? No. How do you know? It shows you in the scriptures, tells you what is right and what is wrong. That's why we study the scriptures. Because God will bring back to your memory from the scriptures. that says, thou shalt not. Then as a child of God, we're just to be obeyed. To be immediate obedience. Partial obedience is still disobedience. Timmy, go to your room and clean your room. Timmy goes in and picks up one item and puts it away. Partial obedience is still disobedience. God wants a full obedience. That's a character that we need to have in our life. In verse 11, and have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them. When you're a child of God and you're walking in the light, two things are going to happen you're going to walk into these different fellowship moments, these pl- times where you're around people, and two things, are, two people are going to be affected by you. One, if they're a, child, a, a brother or sister in the Lord with you, and they're in any form of darkness, your presence is going to expose the, and convict them in a way or reveal that they're doing something that's not right. I'll give you an example. Happens very commonly. We're in a group and say, oh, we're going to go see a movie. Oh, movie. Okay, great. But then they say the movie. And then they turn and say, are you going? You say, no, I can't go to that movie. Why? Evil, sexual immorality, all kinds of filth, language. I don't want that filled in my mind. I'm not going to go. What you've done now is expose the truth of what you're trying to avoid and then a believer is going to look and say, "Ooh, I shouldn't be doing that either." And by exposing it in the light of what you're they're about to do, it brings up to a point where they can now make a decision. Oh, God can sit there, and go, you know, right? First, that's the only says, "Stay away from all forms of evil." I, I really sh- I need to stay away from this. The second person or second group is those non-believers. God convicts non-believers. You don't judge and convict non-believers God does that but what happens is when you're in a group you're at work, you're sitting there and someone says so, says something and hey we're going to go out and we're going to go to a clubbing and we're going to be get drunk and we're going to do this and we're going to do that and say so you're going to come and you're just like no why you think you're too good for us no I don't, I don't drink I certainly don't get drunk no I'm not going to go sleep around no I really don't want to hear that no, I'm not gonna go over there. Why? Well, because as a child of God, the scriptures tell me I have to stay away from those things. Because I used to live that lifestyle. I don't live that lifestyle anymore. You're just telling them the truth. The Spirit of God is the one that's going to convict that person and says, You need to, you need to to be forgiven. You need to to surrender that because you're. You're not right with God. And what happens is that nonbeliever becomes convicted by God. And at that point, you may see someone say, but how are you able to give that up? I've tried. I, 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 I got so drunk I thought I was going to die and I almost killed someone, blah, 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 blah. And I said to myself, I'll never drink again after you're hugging the porcelain bowl, you know, worshiping the bowl that night. I'll never do it again. But you didn't have the power within to say no, because that next following weekend, there you are drinking again, saying, I will only have one drink. And you find yourself, once again, being pulled in with the rest and getting drunk again. But when, when you're a child of God, God gives you the power to actually say no and walk away and be able to have no appetite for things of that sort and free you from it. It's a freeing experience be able to live a life empowered to God and become a light and walking in the light with God. Why? Because in verse 12 for it is shameful even to speak of those things which are done by them in secret. Have you ever had that happen? You come into work and what happens? What did you do this weekend? And then you'll hear them. the ones who have who are in darkness are happy to tell you their sexual imp- excursions and how drunk they got and how much they or this goes on and They're, they're just lost in darkness they have no idea they can't even see the fact that they're destroying their lives and people around them but we're it is shameful to even speak of these things so when you leave that conversation we as children of God do not walk over to another group of men and say did you hear what Bob did last week that is not to happen you watch a movie and you see something you shouldn't be seeing. And you know you should not be seeing. You're convicted while you're sitting there watching. You don't turn around and say, oh, you should be watching this movie. It's shameful. Child of God, we should not be speaking of those things that are done by them in secret. Verse 13, but all things are exposed, are made manifest by the light, for whatever makes manifest is light. See, when light exposes evil works, they become visible. They can become very visible to everyone around you. It's made known, it's made clear, it's gonna come to light. Anything in dark will come to light for what they are. See them as evil things believer then cleanse himself of them that god cleanses you of those things it will be brought to light and to be set free to become to be able to walk in the light and then lastly verse 14 therefore he says awake you who sleep arise from the dead and christ will give you light if you're committed in any form or fashion today any form of darkness. And as a child of God, he says, awake from that darkness. Arise from that darkness. It's just death. It's just, it's just wrong. Arise. You've got to move. You've got to get out. You've got to w- move away from that darkness, whatever's gripping you, and go to Christ. He is the light. Go to Christ, and he will set you free. He will bring you out of that darkness. It will be approval. He will be pleased. It will be good. It will be pleasing to the Lord if you would just rise up, wake up to what is going on and be set free. Walk in light. Walk in love. And your life will be filled with a peace and joy beyond your own understanding.